Welcome to the journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Aoife Barry, standing in for Michelle Hennessy, and this week, why are energy prices still going up? It's been a bad year for anyone who pays an electricity or gas bill. Every few months we've got an announcement from an energy supplier about a hike in their rates. And last Friday, Electric Ireland announced the second jump in its electricity and gas prices in just three months. Gas prices are set to rise by 29.2%, while its electricity prices will rise by 10.9%. It's not exactly welcome news for its customers, but no matter who you get your energy from, you're paying more now than ever. The current rise in inflation is having an impact on the cost of living and on the cost of energy, but things have been compounded by the COVID-19 pandemic and the invasion of Ukraine. And across Europe, people are now paying much more for energy than they did in 2020. And added to that is the fact that Ireland's dependence on fossil fuels makes us vulnerable to changes in the price of oil and gas. The government has tried to help by giving a €200 Euro electricity credit that you might remember from earlier this year. But as prices continue to rise and the 2023 budget approaches, it's being asked yet again to help out. But why are energy prices still going up at such an intense rate? And what can be done about it? To answer that, we're joined by Dara Cassidy from the price comparison site Bonkers.ie. Welcome to The Explainer, Dara. Hi Eva. thanks for having me. So when did this all start? It wasn't just the Ukraine invasion, was it? And it wasn't just the COVID-19 pandemic. It was a mix of both. So energy prices in Ireland at least began kicking off in maybe September, October of 2020. So they've been on an upward trajectory for over a year and a half. At the start, the reason why prices were going up, there's really three main reasons. Um, Firstly, COVID created a lot of supply chain bottlenecks. So when the world economy went into shutdown, it's very easy to turn off the lights, to turn off the factories, to shut things down. It's not as easy to turn things back on. And when the world economy reopened, there were just a lot of bottlenecks in a lot of industries. We saw it in the semiconductor industry. uh, We even saw it in the food industry, but the energy sector was quite badly affected. So there was just this mismatch between supply and demand. And as we know from housing, when there's a mismatch between supply and demand, prices begin to creep up. Another reason last year in particular that didn't help is that there was a lack of wind outputs at some stages during the year. So June and July of last year, for example, according to Erin, was one of the least windy periods, uh, well, in Dublin at least, since 1959. And even just this January gone, um, again, it was a really, really unwindy month. And then on top of that as well, at some stages throughout last year, we had two large power plants that were out of action, one in Dublin, one in Cork, which together uh, you know, could supply maybe up to a fifth of the country's electricity. So that reduced reduced the supply of electricity onto the grid, which then had an upward impact on prices as well. So it was kind of like a perfect storm of all of these things bubbling up. And then, of course, towards the end of last year, tensions between Russia and Ukraine began to increase. And then this year, an actual war broke out. And then that just sent sent prices into just astronomical territory. So just to put things in perspective, how much have costs gone up so far this year and how often have we seen increases? Yeah, it's absolutely insane. So last year, there were over 35 price hike, price hike announcements. This year, there have been around maybe 12 or 13 and all the suppliers have raised their prices. 
and some like Electric Ireland have even raised their prices twice, maybe just to put things into monetary terms. So just the most recent price hike announcement from Electric Ireland has added around €165 to people's annual electricity bills and over €300 to their gas bills. But as you say, this is actually their second price increase of this year, but they've actually increased prices four times over the past 12 months. So when you look at those four price increases together, people are looking at paying close to 700 euro extra for their electricity each year and around 700 euro as well extra for their gas so that's you know, around 1400 euro so to earn that you know to pay off just the increase as a higher rate taxpayer you'd need to be getting or earning another three grand and to kind of put things into maybe even more perspective as believable or not electric ireland has actually announced probably among the fewest or the lowest increases there are some suppliers who have announced price increases that have added over a thousand euro to people's gas bills and, and an additional thousand euro to their electricity bills. So, you know, people this year will be paying, in some cases, literally thousands for their gas and electricity. So it's a huge amount of money. That really is an incredible amount of money when you just add it all up there and kind of lay out exactly how much it'll add on to people's bills. Like, what's the justification from the companies for this latest round of hikes? Do they all have the same reasons or do they vary depending on the supplier? It's pretty much the same. The main reason is gas. So in Ireland, obviously, we use gas for our natural gas, but we still use gas to generate a lot of our electricity. So around 40 to 50 percent of Ireland's electricity is still generated from burning gas. So when gas goes up in price, not only does that affect our heating bills or, or our natural gas bills, it also affects our electricity bills. And the price of gas has absolutely shot up over the past few months. It's been quite volatile, but compared to the start of 2020, the price of gas has gone up anywhere from maybe 10 to 15 fold. So it's the equivalent of the price of a barrel of oil going up to maybe 800, 900, $1,000. And to put that into perspective, the record level for a price for a barrel of oil is $147. So I think that just goes to show you what we're looking at and unfortunately if Putin decides to turn off the gas taps this winter gas could go even higher now we do have our own gas fields that's what a lot of people point out we have the carb gas field but it's rapidly dwindling and it only supplies maybe around 30% of our gas needs the rest the other 70% we need to import mainly via the UK but gas prices are generally set at an international level and and as I said they are absolutely absolutely astronomical levels at the moment, unfortunately. And Dara, who regulates this area of energy costs or energy prices and what can they do about it? So the CRU, which is the Commission for the Regulation of Utilities, regulates the energy sector, but they don't regulate prices, at least not now. Like, you know, all bets are off either if Putin turns off the gas taps uh, over the next few months. And we, we just don't know what the government will have to do or what will be done at a wider level. But at the moment, the energy market is completely deregulated. So no one controls prices in the same way. No one controls the price of a you know loaf of bread in your supermarkets in the same way. No one controls the price of clothing in Zara or Primark or whatever. It, it's a fully deregulated market and it has been for well over over a decade. So the market sets the price. And at the moment, of course, the market is setting a pretty high price, as we know. But the CRU, they haven't really said a huge amount. They've said that the best way to offset the price hikes is to shop around. But certainly at the moment, things such as price controls aren't really within their remit. 
So are these prices then reflective of the wholesale prices or is there a chance that some companies could actually be making an extra profit or at least attempting to make an extra profit on top of all of this with those higher bills? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, I suppose. Just to bring it back, there's suppliers of gas and electricity and then there's actual generators of gas and electricity. So some suppliers just supply electricity. So if you were feeling particularly entrepreneurial, you could theoretically just set up a new electricity business. Uh, you'd set up a customer service team, you would uh, bill people, um, and you might have an office, but then you would just buy electricity on the market. You wouldn't actually be involved in the actual generation of the electricity in the same way that some companies are, such as the ESB, for example. But if you look at maybe just the suppliers, some of them have been quite badly hit. So we've actually seen three suppliers pretty much leave the market over the past few months. We've seen Iberdrola, which is a huge um, Spanish conglomerate. Now, it does generate a lot of renewable electricity in other markets, but not in Ireland. It's left because of pricing and because of the chaos in the market. Bright Energy had to cease trading and Glow Power has pretty much shut up shop as well. They've sold all their customers and they say they're closing for like two years and they may come back again at some stage. So if suppliers are leaving the market, that doesn't necessarily suggest that there's super normal profits being made. Where the profits maybe are being made, though, is the companies that generate the electricity, so the companies that own the power plants and the gas plants and the electricity generating plants. And of course, some countries such as Norway, which exports a lot of gas, is doing quite well from this. But the ESB, which generates around 40%, of Ireland electricity did announce quite big profits for 2021 um, of almost 700 million. Uh, and that I think was actually a record level of profits. Now, ESB is owned by the state, though. That's what people need to remember. So there's no vulture funds, there's no investment funds, no one else that this money is going to. It's going back in many ways just to, to us the government and the taxpayers. But then it also paid out a dividend, a record dividend of 126 million euro to the um, government, which you could argue would just then pay back to us in that electricity credit. But I would say it'll be interesting even next year to see how much profit ESB makes. And if they make even more profit, maybe over a billion euro, I think there will be pressure on them to give a bigger dividend and then for the government then use that to maybe you know offset some of the price increases. But, but the key thing is that that profit though is mainly used to reinvest in Ireland's electricity network. So it's not necessarily like there's six or 700 million euro of free money just to grab. If we were to take that 700 million euro now, that 700 million euro that isn't there next year to invest in the electricity grid and a huge investment is is needed in our electricity grid over the coming decade to cope with an increasing population and increasingly, you know, a bigger economy and also disaster centres as well. And we also need a big investment in our electricity network uh, to cope with all the renewable energy that we're hoping to be able to use and provide. So it's not sometimes as easy as saying, oh, hey, they're making money. Let's just take us. It's a little bit more nuanced than that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And you did mention that 200 euro electricity credit that the government gave us earlier this year. But have they brought into play any other type of interventions and what more can they even do about this situation? There's been a few. So there was that credit, which I think maybe cost around maybe three or four hundred million euros. So, you know, a lot bigger than the dividend that they received. But there was the 200 euro energy credit. The government has has also temporarily reduced VAT on gas and electricity from 13.5% to 9%. Now, 
that is due to go back up again at the end of October. So it was only a temporary reduction for six months. But I would really presume that the government is going to come under huge pressure to keep that because when we come to October, I'd say we'll have seen more price increases. We'll be heading into winter when energy demand around the home increases. And I can't imagine the optics of trying to then increase uh, VAT at that time. But we've seen that. Uh, we've also seen excise reductions on petrol and diesel. Uh, although that hasn't stopped, unfortunately, petrol and diesel still getting to, to record levels. And then, of course, there have been a few social welfare measures as well. And the government has also promised that it's going to remove the PSO levy, which is um, a levy that's applied to electricity bills. It's just under €60 Euro a year. That's going to be removed seemingly from October. So there's been a few things, the credits, the reduction in VAT, social welfare assistance, and then that issue around the, the PSO level, le- levy. So, so quite similar to what a lot of other countries have done as well. Do we know if the government rebate that electricity credit that they gave to us early this year, do we actually know if it helped very much? Well, it was €200. Euro, and as we were discussing at the start of this podcast, Electric Ireland has added around €1,500 to people's gas and electricity bills. And some of the other suppliers have added well over €2,000. So it actually is, in many ways, just a drop in the ocean. And I think the government, as with the VAT, will come under pressure to, to give another credit coming up to, to this winter. And you explained the basics earlier, but are there any other issues besides the ones that you detailed that might be pushing prices up, you know, as in regardless of the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, was it possible to see this situation coming up? Was it all completely precedented as opposed to unprecedented? I mean, I think there was always going to be upward pressure on prices, particularly electricity prices, for a few reasons. First of all, we've obviously seen a huge growth in data centres over the past few years. And the cost of electricity is pretty much made up of the cost of generating that electricity and supply and demand. So it's a little bit like house prices. So when a house goes up for sale, the house is based on the cost of materials, a little bit of profit, obviously, for the builder and what the market will support, supply and demand. So the data centres are using up an increasing amount of electricity. So that's pulling upward pressure on demand. We've also, we're trying to electrify as well our cars. We're trying to electrify the heating in our homes with heat pumps. We're electrifying our public transport as well. So there's a big demand on electricity in Ireland and there will be for the coming years. So that's going to put upward pressure on prices and would have regardless of what happened in Ukraine and with Russia. And then the other issue as well, which I kind of touched on, is we now generate around maybe 40% of our electricity from renewable means and we have a target of increasing that at 80. However, it's not as simple as just simply putting in more wind farms and solar panels because the grid, the, the national grid needs to be able to handle it, to, to, to cope with this as, as it were. And it's suggested by Airgrid, who um, along with ESB manage and run the grid, that an investment of anywhere from maybe 2 to 2.5 billion is needed in the grid in order to accommodate all of this um, extra renewable electricity and to basically modernise the grid. And that money would probably have just been recouped through the fees that um, AirGrid charges suppliers and which in turn are passed on to consumers. So all those things together, there was always going to be this, you know, I think upward pressure on electricity prices in particular in Ireland. Also, the transition to renewables isn't necessarily going to be easy or, or cheap. And I think a lot of people have been a little bit misguided. I think the government has maybe not been upfront with people. There's this feeling that 
renewable energy is free or it's really really cheap it has the potential to reduce our prices in maybe i don't know maybe you know two decades but i think we're at the stage now where all the wind farms the solar panels the investment that we need to, to help us reach our targets is actually costing a lot of money and that's going to put pressure on prices as well but if you look at some countries such as iceland and norway they've been investing heavily in renewables for decades, maybe even for a century in the case, I think, of Iceland, and they've really cheap energy. So absolutely, there is a way to get cheap energy, you know, once we have the grids built, once we, you know, increase our level of renewable output, there's absolutely the potential for far greener and cheaper energy. But I think for the next five or 10 years, as we pay for that investment, all that renewable energy isn't going to reduce prices nearly as much as people think. And what about legislation in terms of protecting people from um, the rise in prices? Is that something that's in place in other countries, you know, to protect people from price hikes? The only country that's really done it is France, where they've put a cap of 4% on energy prices for this year. So the French government forced the state-owned energy provider EDF to cap wholesale prices to 4% for a year. Now, that's going to cost the company around 8 or $9 billion. Now, it's interesting because it was like what I was saying previously about that six or 700 million euro that um, ESB Networks has, that it's not necessarily free money because that money is used for the grid. In France at the moment, they have a lot of nuclear, but a lot of plants, a lot of nuclear plants in France at the moment are actually out of action for maintenance reasons. They found some issues with some of the newer plants in particular. The older plants, it was expected just to wear in terrible action. There's been a few issues with some of the newer plants and a big investment is needed over the next few years to bring those plants back up to speed so you could argue either that that eight or nine billion that edf is now not going to get it's just kind of kind of going to come back and maybe bite the the french government at, at a later stage when they're looking and needing money to invest in their nuclear power plants so there, there, there's no easy solutions really i think anyone who says that there is easy solutions is lying in the uk they have a price cap but that price cap is actually reviewed in any case every six months and what happens is the price cap just then ends up being increased by huge amounts when it is time to review us and actually because there's a lag between energy prices going up and then the price cap being adjusted a lot of energy suppliers in the UK have gone out of business around maybe 20 or 30 suppliers have gone bust in the UK over the past few months leading to thousands of job losses so there's no easy solutions. It sounds like you're saying then that we're in for the long haul here when it comes to these rises in, in energy costs and energy bills. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even before the war in Ukraine kicked off, as I said, just that move to renewables, that move to electrifying our home heating, our public transport was always going to put upward pressure on electricity prices in particular. But certainly the the war in Ukraine has just pushed things to a, a bigger level. And certainly at the moment, it doesn't look like we're going to see a decrease in prices anytime soon. I think the best that we could hope for is that maybe prices stay at this level for the next year or so. Uh, and then maybe in a few years time, we see them gradually begin to ease off some of their highs. But all of the price hikes that we've seen on international markets either haven't even been baked in yet into the price that we're paying. A lot of suppliers, they'll buy fuel weeks, months, years in advance. So they kind of, you know, they hedge their bets, as it were. And a lot of those hedging strategies are now beginning to come to an end. And that's why we're seeing more price increases as the energy suppliers are now having to buy fuel at 
really, really elevated prices. But if you look at the price of fuel uh, to buy maybe a year, two years, three years in advance, it's really, really high. So these high prices are beginning to get baked into the system, unfortunately. So, so in short, yes, it's going to be a bleak winter. It's going to be an expensive winter from an energy point of view. And unfortunately, I don't see much of a reprieve in the short to medium term. So a lot of the work that you do in bonkers.ie is letting people know, I suppose, how they can shop around, how they can, you know, get the bills down if they need across various different kind of consumer areas. So when it comes to this area, are you seeing that shopping around can still help people as these prices go up or is it kind of a moot point at this stage? No, absolutely. And I would say to listeners, you absolutely can still save money by shopping around. I think everyone feels that because prices are going up, that there's no point. But what people need to remember is the way the energy market works is that all the suppliers, well, most of them compete aggressively for new business. And to get that new business, they offer really, really good introductory deals that usually last for a year to new customers. So if for tomorrow, if you were to switch energy supplier, you could get a discount of maybe up to 40% or more for an entire year which could save you maybe six seven eight hundred euro on average so it absolutely does still pay to switch now because prices have risen so much unfortunately no matter what we do we're all going to be paying more than we were maybe you know 12 or 18 months ago but you can absolutely soften the blow by switching and you know it's really really quick it's really really simple it's easy it can all be done online it only takes a few minutes at record numbers of people are switching at the moment so in march around 40,000 people switched electricity provider and around 15,000 switched gas provider i think which is absolutely great to see so if anyone who is listening you know if you haven't switched energy provider in a year or so now's the time to do it because if there's one time you don't want to be overpaying for your gas electricity it's it's now absolutely and that is some positive news for people definitely because i was really wondering that myself would you have any other advice for people who are listening and are concerned about their energy bills the other thing that people can do is look at ways to reduce energy use around the home. So the SEAI, which is the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland, has lots of nice little tips and tricks on its website about how to reduce energy demand in the home or energy use in the home. And so does Bonkers Salai. Now, some of them sound quite common and I know some people might be rolling their eyes when they hear it, but it, it, they do all add up. So turning down the thermostat, not keeping the fridge open for too long when you open it, using LED light bulbs, tracking drafts. They're all little things that can actually make a big difference. So I'd encourage anyone who's listening to check them out. The other point I'd mention as well is that the, there are social welfare supports out there. So do check in if you are really, really struggling. Do check in with your social welfare office to see if there's maybe any payment or any support that you might be entitled to. And then just a final point is around prepay gas and electricity. Some people like the convenience of it. They like not having to get another bill on the post and they like just being able to top up the same way you might top up a mobile phone but prepay electricity tends to be and gas tends to be far more expensive than what you could get with you know normal bill pay or direct debit so if you are a, a prepay customer maybe look if you can at switching over to just a, a a normal bill pay by direct debit as that could save you money because with prepay not only are you paying a daily standing charge which everyone pays uh, you're paying another charge on top of that which can be maybe up to 200 euro a year for the actual prepay meter and then on top of that as well the actual unit rate tends to be a little bit higher so it can be a, an expensive way to, to heat and light your home. That's all really great information to have. You did bring us some sobering news, but it's also good to hear that if people do switch suppliers, it can still have benefits for them. 
Thanks so much, Dara. It was great to have you as a guest on The Explainer this week. Thanks, Aoife. Thank you for listening to The Explainer and a big thank you to Dara from Bonkers.ie for joining us this week. This episode of The Explainer is brought to you by producers Nikki Ryan and Aoife Barry and Ema Moreau. If you want to support The Explainer, there's a few things you can do. You could head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to become a monthly subscriber. You can also leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's a great way to make sure other people will listen and love it too. Thank you and catch you next time. <laughs>